the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. City WLCC Brandon. Faith Talk Tampa. Online at Let's Talk Or listen on TuneIn and Odyssey. The following is sponsored by Verse by Verse Ministries and is pre recorded. Genesis 7 and 8 tell us that Noah, his wife, his family, and the animals floated on the waters for 371 days. Now think about that for a moment. For over one year, Noah drifted day after day, night after night, month after month. Nothing in sight. Nothing in sight. And you know that it must have crossed his mind and he must have wondered if God had forgotten him. He hadn't really heard from God. He doesn't see anything. And think about it. Wouldn't you wonder if God had forgotten you? But God had not forgotten him, and that is the message of Genesis chapter 8. And I'd like you to turn to Genesis chapter 8. The tone of this chapter is found in the first verse of the chapter, where it says, but God remembered Noah. And that sets the tone for the rest of the chapter. That's what it's about. God remembered Noah. Now, last time we studied this, we said that the biblical term for remember does not mean that God just recalled. No, oh yeah, I almost forgot about him. like to welcome you to our verse-by-verse program and our study in the book of Genesis that is titled, Noah and the Flood. We will be hearing from our teacher, Pastor Steve Kreloff, just as soon as he finishes his warm-ups. Now, regarding the flood, have you ever wondered how many people might have been on earth at that time? Do you think it was around a billion or far fewer than that? Well, Pastor Steve is going to comment on that in just a little bit. He is also going to bring us back to how God remembered Noah and what that actually means. What we are going to see with that is that God keeps his word. Pastor Steve is going to explain how God gave direction to Noah and then he will apply that to our lives. I think you're going to be blessed by these next sessions here on Verse by Verse. I've just been given the signal. Pastor Steve is all warmed up, ready to go. So let's start today's Verse by Verse program. Recently, Parade Magazine had a cartoon of Noah's Ark. In this cartoon, the Ark is shown floating on the water, and the rains are coming down. The animals look bewildered. They don't know what's going on. They're looking out from all angles. And then Mrs. Noah turns to her husband and says, but what if it's just El Nino? Now, we may think it's sort of cute and it's sort of humorous, but I can assure you that there was really nothing humorous or cute about the flood of Noah's day because the cause of that flood, as we know, as we've been studying Genesis, is the fact that there was unparalleled sin in the world. 
The imaginations of their hearts, the Bible says, was evil continually. Man was as wicked as he could get. And so back in chapter 6, the Bible says that God was grieved in his heart because what man had become. And as a result of that, God said that he would destroy the earth and all the inhabitants of the earth apart from eight people in Noah's family. And I remind you, the amounts of people on the earth would have been similar to what we have today. When you consider how long people lived and how many children they had and things like that, we're not talking about a few hundred people were wiped out. We're talking about probably billions of people on the face of the earth. So there was really nothing humorous about that. And when the waters erupted from the subterranean oceans, they erupted and came up through the earth. The canopy over the earth burst forth and water poured down, not a little drizzle, not even a storm like we've ever experienced. It must have been an absolute horror that cannot be fully grasped by us today. Now, Genesis 7 and 8 tell us that Noah, his wife, his family, and the animals floated on the waters for 371 days. Now think about that for a moment. For over one year, Noah drifted day after day, night after night, month after month. Nothing in sight. Nothing in sight. And you know that it must have crossed his mind, and he must have wondered if God had forgotten him. He hadn't really heard from God. He doesn't see anything. And think about it. Wouldn't you wonder if God had forgotten you? But God had not forgotten him, and that is the message of Genesis chapter 8. And I'd like you to turn to Genesis chapter 8. The tone of this chapter is found in the first verse of the chapter where it says, but God remembered Noah. And that sets the tone for the rest of the chapter. That's what it's about. God remembered Noah. Now, last time we studied this, we said that the biblical term for remember does not mean that God just recalled. No, oh yeah, I almost forgot about him. Yeah, I've got this guy floating on the water. I better take care of him. That's not what remembered means, that, you know, he sort of forgot and then it came to his mind. The biblical term remember means to take special care of that person. In other words, to provide for that person. So it goes beyond just recalling to mind. It's an action. It's provision. And this morning, as we continue our study of Genesis 8, we want to see what it meant specifically for God to remember Noah. In other words, based on the fact that God did remember Noah... So what? What did he do for him? And why is that important to us? How does that apply to us? You say, look, I am thousands of years removed from this. I don't float on an ark. I don't even know what an ark looks like. I don't even like going out on the water. What does this possibly mean to me? Well, I think the principle is this. There are times in our lives, and maybe you're going through that time now, when you feel like God has forgotten you. Now, you know better than that, or you should know better than that, that he has not forgotten you, but you feel that way. You wonder what God is doing in your life, especially as you go through a trial. It just never seems to end. And it goes on and on, and you lack direction, you feel. You don't know what's going on. God seems silent to you. Well, as we look at this passage of Scripture, and if you're not going through that time now, you will. There are timeless principles in Scripture that help us to understand how this applies to us. Because how God dealt with Noah, in principle, is how he deals with us today. This is not exhaustive, but it certainly gives us some help and direction. What God did for Noah, as he remembered him, is precisely what God does for us in terms of applicable, timeless principles today. So based on the fact that God remembered Noah, what did he do for him? Let's begin as we quickly review 
what we looked at last time, because we said last time that God's remembrance of Noah meant, first of all, that he kept his word. God kept his word. He was faithful to do what he told Noah he would do. We're not going to review verse by verse for the first 14 verses because the first 14 verses we've gone over. And these verses simply tell us that God has brought the flood to a close. That's what it's about. God is bringing the flood to a close. These verses tell us, as Moses, being the author inspired by God, relates to us how the waters subsided and the ark came to rest on Mount Ararat which would be today in modern-day Turkey. And even though the ark was now on solid ground, Noah wasn't, nor were the occupants, because Noah and the occupants could not disembark from the ark for several weeks because the water level was too high. They had to wait for it to go down. And that's where we left Noah several weeks ago. We left him in the ark waiting to get out of the ark. And verses 13 and 14 tell us this. Now, it came about in the sixth hundred and first year in the first month on the first of the month the water was dried up from the earth then Noah removed the covering of the ark and looked and behold the surface of the ground was dried up and in the second month on the 27th day of the month the earth was dry so after 371 days the flood has ended and the earth's surface is dry now what is the overriding principle of these verses I think the overriding principle says God keeps his word. God had promised Noah that he would save him, deliver him, and his family, and certain animals. And he promised that. And you know what? He did it. Now, Noah may have anticipated that this salvation was going to be a little bit quicker than 371 days. And Noah may have thought that God was going to work a different way than he did. But the point is, is that God kept his word to Noah. And every one of us going through a long ordeal, a difficult time, a drawn-out trial that just seems, as I said before, to never end, you ought to be encouraged by this. Because you ought to look at this and say, you know, God may not keep his word to me like I think he's going to, or the time frame that I think he's going to, or I think he should, but I know that I can trust him because he is true to his word. God is faithful to keep his word. And I cautioned you, we studied this, about making sure that you don't put on God promises that he's never given. What does God promise to do as you go through a trial? Well, generally, he has promised the truths of Romans 8, 28 and 29, that he will conform you to the image of Christ. He will do that. He has promised, according to James 1, that he will help you to persevere. He will give you steadfast endurance. He will build spiritual maturity into your life. He has promised to do that, and he is doing that. We also saw from 2 Corinthians 12, Paul says, I would gladly have these weaknesses. God would use it to make me humble and walk with him. And Paul said his grace was sufficient for him. God gave grace to Paul, and he gives grace to you as you go through a trial. So God did not forget Noah, and he has not forgotten you. He is working in your life. He is keeping his word. So as you endure your trial, endure it with faith in the Lord, faith in his word. I love what Job said, and it's so applicable here. Job said in the midst of his trial, though he slay me, yet will I trust him. And I hope that's your attitude. I hope that's your perspective, because God has kept his word. So God's remembrance of Noah meant, first of all, that he kept his word. Now we move into a new area. Beginning with verse 15, we see that God also, in remembering Noah, gave him direction. 
gave him direction. How important that is as you go through a trial to have direction from God. Verses 15 through 17. Then God spoke to Noah saying, go out of the ark, you and your wife and your sons and your son's wives with you. Bring out with you every living thing of all flesh that is with you, birds and animals and every creeping thing that creeps on the earth that they may breed abundantly on the earth and be fruitful and multiply on the earth. Now the key statement in these verses is verse 15. Then God spoke to Noah. Just a simple verse like that. Then God spoke to Noah. You get the impression that God hadn't spoken to Noah in a direct way for over a year. The last time we hear of God speaking to Noah is back in chapter 7, verse 1. One week before the start of the flood, it says, Then the Lord said to Noah, Enter the ark, and all your household, for you alone I have seen to be righteous before me in this time. And then we hear of nothing for the next year. So you do get that impression. And all during that time that Noah was in the ark for the next year, he apparently, apparently, it seems this way, received no word from God. Now, I would assume that Noah, being human like us, must have wondered, why don't I hear from God? Why is he silent? Why am I floating out here all the time and I don't know what's going on? What directions do you have for me? What happens after the flood? Where do I go? What do I do? Have you ever wondered that? Not what happens after the flood, but wondered as you're going through a trial, what's going on? Why doesn't God speak to me? Why don't I hear him? What is it? What does God want? Now, I want you to understand something. You may think that God is silent, but he's not. He's not silent. Just as he gave direction to Noah, so today he gives direction to us. He gives direction to you. He is not silent towards you. God remembers his people. He cares. He provides for us by giving us clear direction. Now, how does he do that? That's what we want to learn. It's one thing to know the principle, but how does he do this? Now, let's think about it for a few minutes, because as you're going through a difficult time, this is something that's very important. We often feel like we do lack direction. We often feel like we don't seem to hear God. We don't know what's going on. We don't know what he wants us to do. So how does he direct us today? Well, I want you to understand it is not the same way that he directed Noah. He directed him, but not the same way. With Noah, God spoke directly to him. Either he heard an audible voice or in his mind, or perhaps it was a dream, but God spoke directly to him. And that was God's pattern in Old Testament times. Let's turn to Hebrews chapter 1. Hebrews chapter 1. I think this is very important because there are some people who think that God still speaks like this, like he did in Old Testament times, and that is not true. Hebrews chapter 1, verses 1 and 2, tell us how God spoke in Old Testament times and how he speaks today. God, the writer says, after he spoke long ago to the fathers in the prophets in many portions and in many ways, in these last days, has spoken unto us in his Son. Let's stop there. In Old Testament times, God spoke to the people in a variety of ways. Many portions and many manners. That just means in a variety of ways. How did he speak? Well, either a direct message. It could have been through a prophet. Prophet could have come and spoken a direct message. It could be through a dream. It could be through a vision. It could be that someone actually heard God's voice audibly or mentally. Maybe that was the case of Noah. But God spoke that way in Old Testament times. But in this era, 
And the writer makes a distinction between God in that time, how he spoke long ago, and how today he is speaking. The writer says in this era, which he calls the last days, or literally, you could say in the Greek language, it is these final days. These are the final days. Ever since the time of Jesus Christ, we call these the final days. In these last or final days, God has spoken unto us, how? Through his Son. Literally, it's in Son. In his Son. In other words, God's not speaking to us directly anymore. His final revelation to us is in Jesus Christ. And that means the New Testament record, which is about Jesus Christ, the ministry of the apostles and prophets. They are the written foundation of the church. Jude verse 3 says this, that we have been given once and for all the truth delivered to the saints, the faith, once and for all delivered. In the original Greek language, it means just that once and for all. There's no more coming. This is it. So we want to understand that. God spoke to Noah directly to us. He does not speak directly. So how does he direct us? How does God direct us as we go back to Genesis 8? We're going to look a little bit at different scriptures. Very important. How does God direct us today? Well, first of all, he directs us through his word. Through his word. How important that is. Psalm 119, and I'll just read this to you. Psalm 119 is all about the word of God. In fact, I would encourage you to read that. You can't come away from Psalm 119 without a deeper love for the scriptures. Psalm 119, 105 says this, Thy word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. That is, in the darkness of this world, God's word is like a flashlight to us, lighting the way so we'll know the next step we're to take. If you want direction from God as to what he wants you to do, you've got to open his word. It's simple, but it's not something that a lot of Christians do. There are a lot of people who say and claim that they really want to know what God wants them to do. And you ask them, are you reading the Bible? Well, no. Are you having any devotions? No. Well, how would you expect God to direct you? How would you expect that? Or they're reading someplace like the book of Revelation. You know, something like that that's not going to really tell them all they need to know about daily walking with the Lord. you got to be a doer of the word, not just a hearer. If you say you want direction, there's human responsibility called be diligent and open the word and get into it. You want direction and wisdom and daily living, then read Proverbs. I mean, all scripture, and I'm not saying that you can't get direction from Revelation, but you got to use your head too. There's balance and you need to see the whole counsel of God and get into his word and he'll give you direction. God's word is what gives direction. But you may say, you know what, that's really good. But Steve, the things I'm struggling about are not necessarily in the Bible. And there's a great truth to that. There's so many principles of the Bible, but sometimes we need direction is to make a decision. And we're not sure what God wants us to do because there are a lot of options left to us, things that are not directly dealt with in Scripture. Things that don't violate scripture, so we have freedom. For example, like which college to go to? You can't find that in a Bible verse. What career to pursue? Where to live? Whether to take a certain job or not? What about those decisions? How does God give direction when those things are not spelled out in his word? Well, let me give you some ways. First of all, one way that God directs us is by putting desires and convictions in our hearts desires and convictions in our hearts. There's a great verse, Psalm 37, verse 4. You really need to look at this. I hope you're writing this down because as sure as the sun will come up tomorrow, someone will need direction and will say, what did he say? 
So write it down. That's called human responsibility. Psalm 37, verse 4. This is a great verse to memorize. This is a great verse to meditate on. In fact, the beginning of Psalm 37 is just wonderful. But verse 4 says, delight yourself in the Lord. And that would mean have intimate communion with him. Enjoy him. Spend time with him. Make sure his heart's desires are your heart's desires. Delight yourself in the Lord. And here's the result. And he will give you the desires of your heart. That's how God directs you. He gives you desires. Now, I need to explain this, lest somebody run with this and misapply it. This does not mean that God will give you whatever your little heart's desire is. That's not what it means. Because much of what our little heart's desire is sinful and evil. Isn't that true? Well, it certainly is with my heart. And I don't think I'm the only one. Most of what we desire is sinful and evil. This verse is not saying whatever a believer wants, God's going to give him. God is not a cosmic genie that you just say, hey, I got this desire, so you got to fulfill it. No, but those who delight in him, those who enjoy him, those who commune with him, those who spend time with him, watch this, God puts righteous desires in your heart. You spend time with the Lord and you come away having his heart's desires, righteous desires. God puts those desires in your heart. And he will grant those desires to you, and that's how he gives you direction. I hope you understand that. It is absolutely correct to say, if you are walking with the Lord, for somebody to say, I'm going to do what I want to do, because I'm walking with the Lord, and these desires are right. Now, someone who's not walking with the Lord, that's ridiculous. Then they're going to do what they want to do, and it's usually selfish and self-motivated. But if you are walking with the Lord, and those desires are there, and obviously God will only put desires in your heart that would never conflict with his word, then do whatever you want, because those desires are put there by God. For example, let me give you some other instances, because someone might say, well, you're proof texting. You're just pulling something out of Scripture that's never taught any other place. First Timothy chapter 3, verse 1, Paul says to Timothy, says, if any man desires the office of an elder, he desires a good work. One of the ways that a man knows he's called to be a pastor is because God puts a desire in his heart. Oftentimes I hear pastors will say, God called me to the ministry. I heard him speak to me and I'm called to the ministry. I've never experienced anything like that. If you say to me, when was your call? I have no idea when my call was. I just had an increasing desire to minister the word in a manner like this and to shepherd a flock. There was a time God seemed to confirm that in my heart. But the call is an inward conviction and desire. That's why I know I ought to be in the ministry. Paul was in Acts chapter 17. Paul was alone in the city of Athens. And it says in verses 16 and 17, watch this, you talk about direction. Now, while Paul was waiting for them at Athens, his spirit was being provoked within him as he was beholding the city full of idols. Paul had a deep conviction, was bothered. I don't even know exactly what word. Conviction doesn't really spell it out. Paul was bothered in his spirit. There was a desire within him to do something about this. He was bothered. So, verse 17 says, So he was reasoning in the synagogue with the Jews and with the God-fearing Gentiles. In other words, God put a conviction and a desire in Paul's heart as he looked around and saw the city filled with idolatry, and that was his direction. Go to the synagogue and evangelize the Jewish people. Go to the marketplace and evangelize the Gentile people. The point is, is that God does give direction, not only through his word, but through desire as well. If you desire something and it does not conflict with scripture and you've been spending time in the Lord and these are righteous desires, then go for it. 
then go. You don't have to be paralyzed spiritually saying, I don't know what to do. God works through desires. Another way that God directs us is by circumstances. Now, in my opinion, too much has been put upon the thought of circumstances so that people can really go wild with this. This is called providence. It's valid, but I caution you about putting too much on circumstance. For example, to illustrate this, remember Jonah in the Old Testament? God told Jonah specifically, I want you to go east to the city of Nineveh and evangelize them, preach to them. Now, Jonah didn't want to do that. Jonah didn't want to do that at all. So he went west. And you know what? Wasn't it convenient that circumstantially there was a boat waiting for him there to take him as far away from Nineveh as he could get? Now, if Jonah reasoned, well, God directed me through circumstance, then Jonah would have been disobedient, which he was disobedient. And I don't know what went through his mind, but there is a danger of a person relying too much on circumstances. When I have thought about Noah and the flood, I sure didn't expect to find so much practical application to my life today. I appreciate how Pastor Steve has applied God's Word to our lives. Now, Verse by Verse is a Monday through Friday radio program, but it's also a podcast. If you would like to listen again to any of these lessons, I would encourage you to open a web browser and head over to versebyverseradio.org where you can subscribe to the Verse by Verse podcast. You will also find many other interesting areas where you can explore and learn about the verse-by-verse ministry at Lakeside Community Chapel, where Pastor Steve Kreloff is the pastor. Again, that is versebyverseradio.org. We are out of time for today, but I hope you can join us next time for Verse by Verse. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.